listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, giving every nonsense syllable its due. Welcome to this week's Polyphony. Uh, this week we have with us uh, our focuses on pro and semi-pro survival in this COVID time. Uh, we have with us Sean Garrity, the co-founder of Edge Effect, an all-star combination of vocalists based out of Orlando, Florida, who've come together over a shared love of vocal music, live performance, and entertainment. In addition, he has started Celebration Arts Academy with his wife. We also have with us Mark Megabo, which is the he is the beatboxer for Face, for, uh, which is the all-vocal rock band from Boulder, Colorado. The group has performed on the sing-off, headlined at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, and they run the Face Academy of Music, which, among other things, offers online lessons with the group. And last but certainly not least, we have Annette Phillip, who is a member of the Quartet Women of the World, who are known for their vast and varied repertoire of folk and traditional music in more than 31 of the world's languages. They are also Harmony Sweeks champs and winners of the very first Aka Open. And with no further ado, I throw it to Aaron. Welcome, everybody. Here we go. Thanks, Rachel. Ooh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would love, Annette, to start with you and talk, uh, mm-hmm. kind of set the stage for us about the wind down of all this. So let's dial back the calendar a little <laughs> bit. How did this all kind of stop happening for you? Oh, my goodness. Do we have to? It's uh, There's a little bit of PTSD with that. Well, uh, we were actually on the road with Columbia artists with three other acapella acts uh, since January. And, you know, we, we had something like 18 shows done and another 15 to go. And then in the middle of the tour, we get word that, okay, all these performing arts, uh, you know, collectives and spaces are closing down and, uh, well, you're, you're just going all, all going to go back home. And so that was it. And I counted actually day before yesterday was 152 days since the tour ended. And uh, it, it wasn't even a wind down, Aaron. It was like a full stop. You know, and yeah, we we were grateful to have flights to get back home from wherever in the U.S. we were. And fortunately, this was a national tour and not an not an international tour. Um, Technically, we were supposed to be with Women of the World. We were supposed to be touring for the first eight months of the year. We had Russia. We had uh, Iceland, uh, kind of a cruise thing, which was between New York and Iceland. We had Japan for the fifth time. And none of those things obviously have happened. That is crazy. Mark, how about <laughs> for you? What was the was, was the cycle for you like? Similar. We, uh, we don't travel as much, but we perform a healthy amount here at home in Colorado. And um, we, we've been averaging around 120 shows a year. So January, February were pretty, pretty typical. I think we had done about 20 or 25 shows over those two months. And then I, I have it emblazoned in my memory, March 5th was our last show. And the reason it's in my memory, we didn't know at the time that it was going to be our last show, but uh, like Annette said, it was, uh, it was a full stop. And all of a sudden we had no shows. We had, I think over the last four months, we've had 30 or 40 shows that have had to be canceled or postponed. Um, and then that, that is only the ones that were scheduled in advance. We were coming up on the summer schedule. In the su- summer, we know we would have had another 10 or so shows at the, at the big outdoor things. Um, we did have a lot of travel also canceled. We were going to have our Carnegie Hall debut with uh, Deke's Total Vocal show um, in, I think it was in March. And we, with our Face Academy, we had over 100 singers um, rehearsed and ready to go um, on this trip with us. They, they were going to sing with us, and they were going to get the Carnegie experience, um, and all that shut down. And I think that was maybe two weeks. That was the end of March. It was supposed to happen, I think. So it was pending, and we were curious if we were even going to be getting on the plane. You know, like there was, it was two weeks away when, when it all shut down. It was very dramatic and horrible. <laughs> um, we were going to have our Singapore, our Asia debut, uh, also, over this time, um, we were going to get to return to Australia to the International Festival of Voices, where we had enjoyed a trip there a few years ago, and then uh, quite a bit of travel just around the country for this, this and that. Um, so yeah, it, the, I think the funny thing for us was when we had shows r- early on in this in the pandemic, like March, that uh, they uh, 
They said, cool, can we reschedule? This thing's going to blow over. So we rescheduled to May. <laughs> <laughs> and um, then we rescheduled to August. <laughs> Some of the canceled shows I could count three times because we kept trying to wow. push them out. And, wow. Uh, Annette talked about PTSD. Was Did you go through sort of the stages of grief? I mean, did you get to bargaining and acceptance at, at some point? Or what was the sort of the, the progression like for you around that? It was panic <laughs> for us because we have been so fortunate that over the last four or five years, this has been full time for us. Um, again, with that many shows, um, we don't we didn't have time for other jobs. So this really was we had all our eggs in this basket. And uh, when, when it comes to a screeching halt, there's nothing, like there's no income. Um, we're a live act more than we are anything else, and so we don't depend on online sales or um, you know, Spotify streams, you know, those, those are pennies to us. <laughs> More's the pity, but, uh, <laughs> but we do. I mean, we, we thrive on our, live, on our live business, and that disappeared, so there was a, a really a lot of panic, and do we have to start looking for jobs? Am I setting up with Uber? Uh, you know, Amazon has a big warehouse here. They're hiring drivers. Um, so uh, it, it really was, was more of that and just what are we going to do? Um, because, it, again, it's been very enjoyable for the past number, four or five years, and then, whoo, nothing. Yeah. Sean, how about for you? I, you know, you've got all the crazy stuff going on with Edge Effect, and then you've got the Academy, and it seems like sort of all of it probably ended around the same time. It did. It did. Um, Edge Effect was kind of a slow burn. We were on a cruise, and we started watching while on a Royal Caribbean ship. We were watching the news about the ships that were out in the, uh, in the San Francisco Bay area staying at sea. We were on a ship when that was going down and we we're like, oh boy, what is this going to mean for all of us? And, you know, are we prepared here in the U.S. and what's going to happen? And the answer is no, just in case anybody was wondering. <laughs> <laughs> we were not. Um, and we just kind of sat there going, well, what's going to happen? We got off that ship and um, our school was still going. Uh, we're based in Florida. I mean, everybody has their own opinions of Florida, and it is um, every bit as wacky as it's portrayed on TV. Like you, you have it's so crazy. You have certain areas that are like, you gotta wear a mask. Come on, everybody, all for one, one for all. And then there's other areas that are like, I ain't wearing no mask. Uh, the Edge Effect, March 8th. We got off a ship March 9th, Mark. So really close to where your timeline was. Yep. And um, we got off the ship, we got home, and we were due to go back out in one week. And they said, hey, we're going to change your schedule. Just stay posted. We're going to change your schedule for, we're going to bump you another day. And then we're going to, oh, wait, well, it's going to happen. Another. And then they said, hey, we're going to cancel just this cruise, but sit tight. And then they finally just came out with that big mass cruise notice, which is our whole cruise schedule aside from our corporate events and our performing arts centers and everything, that's all booked a year in advance. So everything started to cancel through June, then July, then August, and now we're canceled through October. We still had like performing arts centers that are like, no, we're, we're good. April, we're gonna see you guys. And you know, like it would be a week out. No, we're canceling. You'd, stuff like that happened a lot. Um, but for our other business, Celebration Arts Academy, that came to a screeching halt the week of March 16th. Edge Effect was a little bit more of a slow burn, and it's been, it's just been weird and sobering, and I think everybody's got really similar stories, and everybody's just kind of like scratching their head, and if you make your living in the world of entertainment, I mean, our community is very much based on, Mark, like you said, we're a live performance act, faces as well, and, um, you know, being in Orlando, there's a lot of theme park work as well. There's a lot of people who are in acapella groups who are also working at SeaWorld, Universal, Disney, and all of that entertainment. I mean, it's just like, when are we going to be able to go and do what we love to do? So it's just sobering and weird. And that I wonder, you know, Women of the World is a pretty geographically distributed group anyway. Has this affected how you are staying connected with each other within the group? 
Well, you know, I think one great thing was because we were on tour right up till the point where the break happened, we were basically traveling, living together, you know, or traveling on the bus, the tour bus together. And so as we started to anticipate this halt appearing, arriving, so to speak, we decided, okay, well, what are some of the things that we can do? And let's try to at least stay in touch at least once a week. And so we have maintained that ever since March 14th. You know, we gave ourselves maybe three or four days to kind of settle in, uh, figure things out. And then it was pretty good in terms of staying in touch. In fact, even uh, despite the fact that I moved from Boston with my partner to New York because he lives in New York. So, uh, you know, midway through the lockdown so far, I've moved to New York. Georgia moved back home to be with her mother in Italy. And despite that, we have uh, actually stayed in touch every single week. We've put out a fair amount of music. We have started a new online series and, uh, you know, like a concert series. And we are um, also now working, doing a lot of Black Lives Matter related work, uh, studying about racism, studying about black history, studying about um, you know, racism globally as well. So we've really stayed in touch. In fact, if anything, we've stayed more in touch <laughs> during the lockdown. And uh, and that's been good. You know, we, we have about uh, one and a half, one to one and a half hour meetings twice a week. Uh, and that's ir- that's outside of any actual let's say recording work or you know stuff that we're we're doing on the side you know as as uh, as projects that we're invested in how has that have you been able to adapt it sounds like you have and i wonder how the the creation process now that you're sort of so far flung yeah we tried a new thing actually we're going to be uh, doing releasing a song on the 25th of August. Uh, the first couple songs that we did, we you know we had let's say one person would arrange uh, and you know send a scratch recording, and then we would each layer on top of that. And we did that also in collaboration with other other groups. We did a, a very cool uh, Nessundorma uh, co- collab with an Italian group, and that was really fun. And we did it the same way, you know, just send either GarageBand, Logic, or Pro Tools, whatever. You're just doing your parts over, and then record your video, etc. Uh, the thing that we've done last week or last two weeks was totally different. We wanted to write a song, uh, you know, uh, something around racism because we, especially because of who we are as a group and what the group stands for. You know, the new thing, which is very exciting, is that we looked at poetry and prose and we said, okay, everyone go and either improvise or compose. And let's just share what comes, you know, as inspiration from this. The funny thing is, without discussing it, we all made something between A and A flat. Wow. All of us. All <laughs> of us made something in that key. <laughs> like, this is wild. Wow. <laughs> you know, and I mean, our ranges are really far apart. Yeah. So this was this was odd and cool, like uh, you know, and and some of us didn't even know that that was the key. You know, we just kind of hit record and we started looping and stuff, and it was all in A or A flat. Yeah. So um, we took another week. We took everybody's all the four parts, and then we made a new version where we sort of each came up with our own version of that song. Uh, and then we decided we would send it to a producer. We didn't want to do it. We wanted someone else to come in who didn't have any attachment to these four uh, ideas or four interpretations of the four ideas. And he's working on it, and we hope to release that on August 25th. That's that's the goal. Let's see. <laughs> in what key? So, uh, it's, it's A now. <laughs> oh, <okay>. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Sean. <laughs> Mark, how about, uh, you know, uh, unlike in some ways with Women of the World, you are all really close to each other geographically uh, most of the time, uh, which means I imagine this was a, a a very significant change in terms of how you were able to relate to each other. How are you staying connected and sort of figuring out how to do your work together? At the beginning, the, um, the lockdown was universal and complete. Um, we were supposed to stay at home. And so it didn't matter that two of us live two minutes away from each other. Um, all of us are basically in the Denver and Boulder metro areas. 
uh, we were not seeing each other. We were not leaving our houses um, except for necessities. And so, uh, like, like Annette said, we did not want to let this get in our way. So we have rehearsed two days a week for almost 20 years. And we decided to continue that. Um, we, uh, it, we were introduced to this technology called Zoom. I'd never heard I'm of sorry, Zoom? Zoom, Yeah, you I say? thought that, okay. that was a TV show I grew up watching. In exactly. The but anyway, um, we became experts at Zoom very quickly. And, uh, and so continued to, to at least meet and uh, got, got, got in right away with the idea of the, the virtual music projects that you saw so many ensembles doing. Um, and we realized we all kind of had our own, you know, enough recording equipment at home that we could, that we could start putting out some videos. Um, and we were, we were calling them the seclusion sessions. I think we did four or five, uh, four or five of them. <laughs> and, um, you know, and we kept, we kept pumping ourselves up. We said, this is, this is it for live performance. If our audience wants to see us, um, it, this is going to be it. So when you push record on your video, um, picture thousands of people in front of you and bring that kind of energy and let's, let's give them something that they, that we know that we can't give them. Let's, let's try to give them that live energy. And we, uh, we were really excited with how they turned out because, um, I think we all did a good job of, of, of bringing that energy. I think the, the highlight of the, of the seclusion sessions was going back to this, this Carnegie show that we were supposed to do. We were going to sing one of our arrangements, uh, one of the arrangements that Driver did of From Now On, which is from The Greatest Showman. And the, uh, the, the, the large choir that was going to be amassing for this concert in, in New York was going to, uh, uh, Stephen had arranged a, a choir part, a four-part choir part that we were going to sing with all of them. And it was, we were bringing a hundred of our own singers, but there were going to be, I don't know, two or three hundred, I think, other singers, mostly around the country. But I think some of them were international and this and of course it all fell to pieces just a few weeks before so on the date of the concert that it was supposed to happen we uh, put the word out to everyone that um, if you were scheduled to sing with us on this because everyone had it was two weeks away everyone had already rehearsed their music um, we sent everyone instructions on how to video themselves and how to record themselves and we put audio tracks and click tracks on a dropbox folder and gave them access to it and we had over 200 singers turn in um, recordings of themselves. Now that was a big enough project. Stephen did not do that one. We sent that to, um, <laughs> oh my gosh, I, I would love to give him a plug. I remember his first name was Christian and he's, he's based out of New York. Uh, they did an amazing job putting all of this together. We also invited our fans to submit not singing videos, but just images of themselves holding up signs saying, from now on, I will, or from now on, I want to fill in the blank. And pictures of themselves in isolation with the, you know, having fun with their families, playing games, e eating dinner, whatever. Um, and we got a, a bunch of those put in as well. So the, the video editors made this into a really, really touching, moving, emotional video that was so far beyond. We were just trying to give everyone the opportunity to sing together. Um, and what it turned into was, uh, was something absolutely amazing and inspiring and so, so, so timely. So that was, uh, that was a highlight in those first few months. Fa but fast forward, when they relaxed the restrictions, um, we started um, doing the Zoom rehearsals once a week, but we're actually getting together. We're having socially distanced rehearsals once a week in one of the guys' front yards. Um, and the, the reason being, we wanted to continue to work on music and figure out how to live stream concerts so that we could put something into the world. And uh, it, it had been months since we'd sung together, so we started singing together again, just right out there in the front yard. And uh, <laughs> I, I forget the date. I, I want to say it was late April that we were able to do our first uh, live stream. And that was, we, we just did it on one of the guys' backyards, back patio. So we are actually, we do actually see each other uh, about once a week for that rehearsal. And then we've done some kind of live stream um, about every 10 days. Well, we have so much more that will be coming up as we speak with Sean, Mark and Annette, but we need to take a short little break. On the other side, we'll be talking even more about staying connected as a group, how the groups are creating remotely, about performing, how 
the groups are earning money to live and eat and also to stay busy and engaged in the best practices and ideas out there. So stick with us. Uh, we'll be taking a short break and we'll be back on the other side. You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, your base for the lowdown on acapella. And we're back for our next segment. We're speaking again with Sean Garrity, the co-founder of EdgeEffect, Mark Megabo, the beatboxer for Face, and Annette Phillip from Women of the World. Here's Aaron. Thanks, Rachel. Sean, uh, how is EdgeEffect sort of continuing right now? Are you collaborating with one another? And are, what tools are you using? And how are you doing the, the sort of the creation process? Gosh, uh, EdgeEffect, uh, let's see. We have been a live performance group for so long, and we're really close with all the guys from VoicePlay who transitioned very much from a live group to, they still do live shows, but they have this wonderful machine for this online presence now which I find just amazing. And I'm, I'm constantly in Jeff and Lane's ear, just, guys, what, like, this is amazing. What are you guys doing here? And we are currently transitioning ourselves from live performance, like everyone, and trying to put a real concerted effort into building our online presence. And like everyone else, our home project recordings, you know, it started off with a couple of the guys didn't have recording equipment, so everything was just done on iPhone to keep it all universal. We started all with iPhones and collaborating like everybody else on Zoom or on Facebook Messenger or on uh, just FaceTime, you know, group FaceTimes. Uh, we started with that. We ended up ordering a couple of microphones for a couple of the guys that didn't have things, started to up our game with that. We've got some videos in the can. We've released a couple of things online and uh, we've begun collaborating with other artists. I don't know that you've ever met a group of acapella singers who've made their living in acapella for 20 plus years who are less acapella than our group. It's so weird. I mean, we love acapella music, right? But we're not in the scene. I don't know why. I don't know how. I mean, there's people, we've been professionally singing in acapella for 20 years. There's people who have no idea who we are, never heard a lick, a stitch, and we don't know who other groups are. We're completely clueless. Troy Delendo is our arranger and beatboxer. He knows everyone and everything. He has got his finger on the pulse. He's completely connected. He is our only conduit to the world of acapella. <laughs> but we've started, <laughs> we have started to collaborate uh, with artists like Shoshana Bean, who was Elphaba on Broadway and uh, is a, just an unreal artist. Um, artists like Mark Broussard, who is a soul singer from Louisiana. Um, we're doing some Broadway collaborations with some of our friends who are now sitting on their couches. And uh, we've got a series of Broadway collaborations that we're doing with some really amazing people. Some of them are pop songs, others are songs that they sung in their shows, and we're the band. And then we're doing, so I don't use TikTok. Do you guys use TikTok, Annette, Mark, no. Rachel, Aaron? No? Not much. No. Okay. So, but we all know what it is, right? And it's like this shortened attention span, really short videos. And every time we put out like a three minute video, we're like, no one's, we, we look at the metrics and people watch like the first 45 seconds. So we are doing a whole series of 30-second-ish commercials from the 70s and 80s. Mm. We're doing all of these nice. videos, all of these throwback commercials. Like, I'll just tell you a couple. Like, the first one we're dropping is Big Red. <laughs> so kiss a little longer, stay close a little, you know? Yeah, like, and it's awesome because that's pretty much the attention span of the average listener online anyway, are these 30-second things. So we're, we just spent the better part of a month aggregating all of the commercials that we just grew up on and loved and all the jingles. And Troy has been in his mad scientist laboratory just cranking out these arrangements. So a lot of the collaborative process... Um, post-restrictions or pre-restrictions being lifted was just a lot of what we're doing right now. A lot of Zoom, a lot of FaceTime, Facebook. And uh, Troy 
every all the sticks and dots are arranged by him in finale he sends out the, the charts and the the pdfs and the learning tracks and we learn them we record them and then throughout this process is when i implemented a recording studio and a tech program at my wife and i school we started to think about all of the things that are available in the career for the performing artist that aren't necessarily on stage so he implemented a lot of tech programs Let's face it, they all have more stable jobs than we do anyway as performers. <laughs> they're the ones that just, there's no contract to contract. They just keep going. If they're a good lighting designer, they're going to stay there. Um, and so we started, once the restrictions were lifted, we started to go to the studio and lay down some things. And that has been really fun. Just getting back in the same room as people again, you know. If if we're all in the room, we're all wearing masks still. You know, the rooms are big enough, but when we're in closed, confined areas, we're wearing our masks, unless we're in, like, the large dance room or something like that where there's plenty of space, then we take them off. But it's been really cool to just say, hey, we're going to have two people in the control room, and you come and lay down your part in the tracking room and just have three guys there at one time is awesome. Our Our creative process has been quite a gear shift for us. How do we switch to that online we've actually reached out and talked to jeff and his wife kathy from voice play to kind of give us a little guidance and some advice on what we should do to kind of focus and strengthen that online presence so that's that's a big thing for us that's what we're going toward and then i wonder mark talked about sort of the abrupt stop and being a professional musician that also means an abrupt stop to income uh and Mm -hmm. i you know i wonder about uh, without sort of putting too fine a point on it how you and the the other women of the world are are continuing to eat and live right now i mean you know obviously people have savings and and can sort of live on that for a while and, and sometimes supportive partners that also may have incomes too but are there sort of considerations that you've been talking about with other members of the group about just how to make that work? Yeah, it's a it's an issue that is really, um, yeah, it's bad, right? It's bad for everyone and all over the world. Well, the short answer is that some of us in the group also do other things. Um, so, you know, there there have been jobs or part of jobs that that did continue as far as the four of us were concerned so that was one aspect that um you know women of the world isn't the sole income source uh for others you know teaching has become a thing uh you know they've started taking on a lot more private students and things like that um you know other collaborations with other bands where yes you do get paid for certain projects uh, we were all actually involved with a, a project in Japan, which was for a film that miraculously was still getting made. And of course, you know, that was an income source. Um, and ultimately, I think the short, the shortest answer is that there, we, we, can, we started to look at where work is still happening. And uh, we're very fortunate to, you know, make contact with certain people or people reached out to us saying, for instance, can you write a, you know, a theme song for our corporation and we do have a budget for this and you know, we want it to be this, this, this theme. And you know, so those are ways that we've, we've been able to sustain. And we've also been trying to see how can we pay it back, pay it forward, um, you know, whatever is working for us. So one of the things that we started uh, or launched in March was, uh, was it March or April? I don't know. Uh, it all runs together. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a show, it's a concert series, an online concert series called Knock Knock. And the idea was for women of the world to use our platform to highlight other people in you know our music circles. So it's not just a cappella, it's really anybody. And uh, the whole idea of knock knock is that it's a, you know, you're going to someone's home. Uh, you know, you're, you're knocking on their door and you get access to them in an intimate setting. And the first one was, I think we had seven women on. Uh, the second one, it was about Earth. And, uh, you know, so we had someone from Hawaii, someone in Japan, uh, you know, from all different places. And it's it was it's a lot of work to put it together. And the the payment format is that we guarantee that from our savings, we're actually investing in these, 
these artists. It's a very minimal amount, but we also make sure that our audience is donating directly to each artist through PayPal or Venmo, as the case may be from a you know global whatever works in their country. And uh, the next one coming up, the next three that are coming up are going to be um, in a new series under the Knock Knock concert series umbrella which is black voices amplified so uh, the the first one is august 28th which is a really interesting day we researched and found that that was the day the uh, you know martin luther king made his i have a dream speech and it was the same day as a whole bunch of other things including um well, you know what? I don't want to let everything out of the bag. No, so, no, exactly. Don't a, give it all let away. Me just say, <laughs> let me just say, it's an important day. And uh, and we're hoping again, you know, that we can be a platform for various artists, not just, of course, black artists. But right now, it feels like the focus needs to be there. And, and uh, uh, you know, those are some of the ways that we've been uh, making income. It's not much, uh, but at the same time, we're also trying to see how we can be of help to, you know, our community around here. And our, when we say around here, it means like our friends, because we all happen to meet at Berkeley, was are now scattered all over the world. So you know, it's it's a it's a fun thing and also like a collective scary thing that at least we've got each other. You know, uh, we're all struggling, and I'm finding that we there are people just helping each other. Um, you know, I'd love to do a project with you, or you know, like can I can I assist you with this, or I'll do this for you, and let's let's pay you for this, and then the next project you'll you'll hire me to do something. You know, so um, it's a beautiful um, two way. Uh, win-win situation for everyone as much as possible. Annette, you you said something. You were like talking about giving back, and when we operate as bands or as vocal groups, as acapella groups, we are still a business. We we do this and we tour and we love what we do, but we're still a business. And my wife said something to me at the top of this when everything went on lockdown. She said, "You know, we're going to learn a lot about the businesses that we like that we frequent." throughout this situation. And even if things don't directly benefit us monetarily, I think it's really important to see what people are doing with their time and how they're they're giving back and are they being involved in community. It's moving personally to me to hear you say the things that you guys are doing. Every time that Mark and Annette speak, I turn around and I'm like, oh man, that was a really good, like, that's awesome. So it's really cool to hear that because I, I don't know that my wife has ever said anything more true than that. We really are going to learn about these companies and what are they doing? Are they laying people off? Are they taking these huge government loans and getting rid of everybody and just lining their pockets? Are they giving back? Are they lowering prices instead of raising prices? Like all of these things. I agree. And that, that was, that's very inspiring. And hearing you say that, I'm like, oh, we're not doing anything that meaningful. Um, and it's it really, <laughs> it's, it's fabulous. It's fabulous what you're doing. Um, so what it reminds me of though, is that I feel like, and I honestly, I meant to say this earlier on, I feel like everyone I know, myself included, the guys in my band included, um, what this pandemic has done is everyone is operating under a general feeling of malaise Everybody is, right? And so everything, we're all more sensitive to things. Things that didn't bother us too much before bother us more now. And the other thing that I'm noticing is that, especially people who are completely out of work, like entertainers, I feel like I have more time than ever before, and yet I'm getting less done. And exactly. There's no what time. I want to, I'm putting this out to the listeners. I'm putting this out to the listeners that to, to, that we have learned in in our little circle to really be gentle with ourselves and our expectations, and that it's all relative. And whereas the expectations we had for ourselves back in the old days, which of course I mean February, <laughs> our expectations back then. You <laughs> idiot. <laughs> Were a lot more um, aggressive, and now they can't be because life is different. So I hear Annette say cool things, and I hear Sean. I hear you the the doing the ad jingles and stuff. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's yeah. a great idea. I want to do. Why didn't I think stuff. of that? 
And, and I have to, I'm constantly reminding myself that uh, just, yeah, like I said, be, to, to be gentle and that expectations are different and don't add guilt to what is already a difficult situation for everybody and just take it easy on yourself. We're, we're all muddling through and we're all doing what we can. And so take the inspiration where you find it. I, I, you know, I really want to add one thing to what Mark and Sean said, but specifically Mark's point about the guilt thing. Oh my God, there's so much pressure because you feel like this is when I have to do this album and I have to do these other 6,000 billion things. And someone at, at Berkeley actually said to me the other day, you know, the just be just be mindful of the fact that we're not working from home. We're at home trying to work. And, you know, it's very different. This is not normal. This is, everyone says it's the new normal, but it isn't normal. Not yet. <laughs> so I, I so, so agree, Mark. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to take some of the pressure off by going to a little break. So stick with <laughs> us on the other side. <laughs> on the other side, we'll be talking a little bit about when the groups are going to feel comfortable maybe even being in the same room singing if they're not already and when when it might be time to perform again taking advantage of international differences that might allow some opportunities for performance and what about when if this lasts longer than we expect so we have a, a little bit of a break but on the other side we'll be talking again with sean garrity mark megabow and annette phillip stick with us You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, the only place where drums are replaced by boots and cats. And we're back with Polyphony, and we are speaking with Sean Garrity, co-founder of Edge Effect, Mark Megabow, beatboxer for Face, and Annette Phillip from Women of the World about, semi, uh, about pro and semi-pro survival in the age of COVID. Here we are again with Aaron. Thanks, Rachel. Uh, Mark, I, you talked about your front yard rehearsal process and getting together to do some of that. I wonder what are the what are the criteria for you to feel like you'd be comfortable being in a venue with the other members of the group, being in front of an audience with the other members of the group? I mean, what's the what's the threshold for you to feel like it starts to get normal or again? We have been, um, it's a good question. It's got a, phew, the answer is a lot of different angles to it. Um, we've been basing everything on, on health recommendations that, that have been put out by, by the state and such. And part of the reason is because in our own individual worlds, in our own families, a number of the guys in the band have family members who are immunocompromised. And so really have, we have to take this as seriously as possible um, just for our own family's sake. So there's, there's that piece of it, and uh, you know, we, we're all being, we all want to be respectful to that. But then in addition to that, we have, again, we're fortunate. We've got one of the most amazing audiences, fan bases here in Colorado. Um, when we have concerts, people come. And so we're like, well, what's to stop us from setting up equipment in a park and just putting it out to our fan base and saying, we're having a concert, you should come. Well, then Sturgis happens, you know? And we, we don't want to make ourselves, we don't want to put our fans in a situation where we're opening up the opportunity for them to get sick amongst themselves. Um, and we know that that would, that would look, reflect poorly on us anyway. Why are they making that decision in the first place right. when they know that this is of concern? So. We, we are happy to follow all the recommendations and all, all of the restrictions that we see published um, just so, so that we're as respectful and as responsible as possible. What I've been reading is that if you're on stage, you need 25 feet between you and the closest audience member. And so any venue that, and we, we've already played in one indoor venue. The idea was a streaming concert. So the audience was 12 people. And we were able to have them far enough away from the audience, or sorry, from the stage, that we were still able to fulfill all of the health recommendations. And we did the streaming concert. But it was the first time in three months we had a live audience. And those 12 people might as well have been 12,000 as far as we were concerned. They were the ah. mightiest 12-person audience <laughs> we've ever played for. Um, and it, it, 
it taught us a couple things. You cannot fabricate live energy, live performance energy. You can't make that up, you can't fake it. We, we performed at a different level that night for those 12 people. Those 12 people were probably like ravenous for Precisely. live <laughs> entertainment. They were yes. probably just like frothing at the mouth like rabid dogs, like, I wanna hear something. It, it really, they almost didn't let us out without singing an encore song. Um, they need, they needed it. And it's true. We all need, like how many times have you been scrolling through your social media and you see something of art, of, of, of art, any kind of art. And you, and you do, you start to drool. It's Pavlovi. And you're like, I need this. And yeah. that's, that's how we've been thinking. Um, our ideal scenario right now would be to find a venue where we could sell a handful of tickets. So still maintaining a 25% capacity or whatever. So, uh, so we have an audience of 25 to 50 people, but we're, we're still live streaming the concert so we, can, so we can still put it out to hundreds, thousands, whoever, you know, are able to watch it that way. So we still get the live audience, we still get the live energy, and we get that, you know, that immediate payback. Because when you finish a song and the camera doesn't clap, it's kind of painful. <laughs> so weird! <laughs> We've been doing it in Forrest's backyard and with songs over and we just hear birds tweeting. It's pretty, <laughs> but it's not the same. So it, it, it'd be great to have to, for it to feel like a live concert with a live audience on a stage with the lights. You know, we can't do the backyard forever because it's going to start getting darker and colder. And yeah, and so so we are. We're going to we're, we're looking forward to, I think, in September, we're already working with some of the local venues that we've played at before to try to set up this kind of this model um, where and then if you're at home you stream it up onto your onto your big screen TV and thanks to a you know we've got a great camera crew um, getting close-ups of all of our <laughs> ugly mugs you can feel like you are in the front row of a live concert so that's that's really what we're aiming for right now and what we're practicing and figuring out the technology on and that, how about for you? I mean, it seems like one prerequisite is getting all of your members in the same country again. And then, <laughs> uh, I mean, what's the, what's the criteria for you? When would you start to feel comfortable about being in the same room, rehearsing, performing with an audience? You know, what, what are your thoughts around that? I have no idea. I think that's the most honest answer is we really don't know. Uh, we currently don't know when Georgia will be able to come back to the States. You know, there's still travel bans in place. And, um, you know, it's just it's just a weird time. So what we have started to do is start talking to people who were who we were supposed to play for in, let's say, October onwards and just see kind of gauge the temperature. Uh, first of all, of course, exactly like Mark said, you know, health comes first, safety comes first. Uh, and there was one university that reached out to us uh, and said, you know, we might be able to do something. At the same time, for us to go back on a university campus, is that something that we want to do? We don't know yet. Uh, in, in Boston, which is where I teach, you know, right now everything is remote. Uh, Harvard, MIT, Berkeley, everyone has decided that it's going to be remote till December. We don't even know what's happening in the spring yet. You know, there's rumors that this might be a spring, remote spring as well for universities, at least in Boston. So who knows? Um, this, so we're, we're considering, and I think what we do well is that we communicate. The four of us really, really take time to figure out what we're feeling and to not put pressure on each other or ourselves and to really make sure that we feel safe, uh, keeping in mind who's at home with us. Um, you know, again, as Sean and, and Mark had said, you know, there are people in our families who we, we need to take care of. Uh, so the other cool thing is once places open up, what could we do to make the whole mask thing or shield thing or whatever? How could we make that part of the art? That's kind uh -huh. of what we're working on right now. And we, you know, we're just researching, looking at, you know, ways that we can use, because we love costume and we love, you know, especially because we come from such different backgrounds. That's a big part of the, the art beyond the sound itself. So the, the visual aspect of it is so interesting. And we've been wanting to do something really quirky and weird and maybe, you know, 
warehouse style. I don't know. So we'll see kind of what happens. I think it'll be a fun challenge. And uh, and as far as timing, I have no idea. I am personally wishing I could go back to India to be with my parents. And they have strictly forbidden me to get on a plane. And, uh, and, and I get that. Uh, given that your group does so much international travel normally, would the ramp back, do you think, look like an international tour like the you know it, it is new zealand about to have the best concert series ever uh, i mean is is everyone going there or i mean is that a, is that an option do you think not from the states they're not gonna well, let us in there well yeah <laughs> good point somebody should suggest that yeah <laughs> i don't know someone should suggest that there's the new acapella, you know, big festival that happens across New Zealand, you know. Exactly. <laughs> I can imagine all the, the government in New Zealand going, hey, hey, we have this under control. Right. Stay away. Right. right. <laughs> like, we're good. Well, Sean, I, I mean, looking ahead, Annette talked about, you know, spring conceivably could look very much like today. Uh, you know, if we sort of put a slightly more pessimistic hat on briefly. Uh, what if this continues a little bit longer term, another year conceivably? Uh, how does that work for you? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, how does Edge Effect kind of figure out its way forward through this? First of all, I want to touch a little bit. You asked Annette about how they were handling everything financially. Yeah. And um, what we decided to do as a company was take out an EIDL, the Emergency Impact Disaster Loan. So we are all getting paid. We took out a loan. It's a 30-year loan. You know, if things return back the way it was, it's going to be paid back in just a couple of years. But uh, we took out a loan so that we could be paid and you know, work our way through the end of the year. And we're using that. And by the way, I talked to all the guys in the group first. And I'm like, hey, I'm going to spill the beans if they ask me. Like, this is, I'm going to tell everybody this is what we're doing. And they say, yeah, yeah. So we took out a loan so that we could begin to really focus and shift focus away from live performance. We're trying to put all of our eggs currently because we have no other place to put them. We're putting all of our eggs into that online live streaming, online technical presence. And we've got another four months or so to do it and still be paid. And so that's, we've been working throughout the summer to build that presence so that if this carries along into January, February, March, into next year, we have something that's already going that we can then continue to invest in and, you know, reap the rewards from. And hopefully that will be full-time income for us you know yeah. we're hoping you know the live streaming is is a big thing one thing that i thought about when mark was talking and um i don't know why i hadn't thought about it before when the when the shutdown first happened very first happened in the united states all 100 percent. it was for like two weeks in a row 100 percent of all box office new Views, new box office sales for movies came from one theater. It was the Ocala Drive-In Movie Theater here in Ocala, Florida. I happened to be here tonight. Like I said earlier, brought my kids up to see my mom. And they're still open and they're still running theaters. And part of me just got to thinking, how cool would it be to bring in acts from all over and set up a live streaming camera crew here People could come, we could do extra sound support, and they have the thing where you tune your radio to the, you know, it's no longer the speaker on the door kind of thing. Like, you tune your car radio to this station, and you hear the soundtrack from here. And, uh, you know, you're broadcast up on a huge drive-in, and I know drive-in concerts have, especially in the country music scene, been pretty big in the United States. I'm not allowed to announce this yet because we're still in negotiations, but there's a, a fairly large drive-in up in Fort Collins, Colorado, that, we'll, that we're probably, we're hopefully, we're working on doing exactly what you're saying, that we'll, be, we'll play up there. Um, put, on the, put up on the big screen, like you said. Um, they, that one has four, four to five hundred cars that it can fit, I think. Um, okay. And so it, it's, it's been in the works. A lot of the drive-ins 
kind of around here. There's only like three in the whole state, I think. Um, and they uh, they wanted to keep rolling their movies, and, and they were making it difficult. And by that I mean a very high rental fee uh, for bands to mm. to even consider playing. Um, but uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how that how that how that works, um, and if it's uh, if it's the same feel as a live performance, because a lot of those cars are going to be pretty far away still. Um, one of our guys said we've been so successful with our live streams. Why would they pay? a lot more money to drive an hour out of, outside of town to just see us on a larger screen than they were at home, <laughs> which they were doing for free. A lot of the drive-ins that are doing these huge country artists, what they're doing is they're um, skipping a space in between cars. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And instead of going to full capacity, they're putting space in between the cars and keeping the cars in like a checkerboard pattern. Yeah, that's So the that plan. they can mm -hmm. then get what they're encouraging people to do is get out and kind of like tailgate, tailgate next yes. to your car. So if you came in this car, the space directly to your left is available for you to like take out a, a picnic chair or something like that, lounge nice. chairs, and sit and enjoy it live. Yeah. And you're still not on top of someone, you know? Right. Um, and you're outdoors as well. So you know, it, the six feet even helps being outside. I think you can be responsible and yes. you can be safe and you can still deliver that live energy. You know, you don't need to have like a, a, a 1998 Honda Civic with four tens in the back trunk, you know, and, and <laughs> two Rockford Fosgate amps in order to be able to enjoy really good beatboxing. You know, like we could figure out a way, like I said, even bringing in extra sound support yes. so that yeah. it's not just the sound system at the front of the theater, you know, but like bringing extra sound for a concert like all the way back surrounding people. I, I, there's so many different ways that you could do it. Yeah, we'll see. Talk to me uh, at the end of September. We'll see, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, now we're that, that Sean has badmouthed the late 90s Civic, uh, we have to wrap up. Uh, our time <laughs> I had one. But uh, I know Rachel will take over in a second, but before she does, I just want to thank the three of you. Thank you all so much for sharing your insight and your time today. Really appreciate it. It is our absolute pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. It's been great. I am so thrilled and grateful to you all for your time. Thank you so much to Sean Garrity, to Mark Megabow, and to Annette Phillip for talking about your survival techniques through this pandemic. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's our pleasure. Thank Thanks you. You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, we dare you to find any instruments in these tracks. Ba -da -ba -ba -da -ba 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 -ba